0: Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast of Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Two weeks ago, the Florida Education Association kicked off a five-week, 50-stop bus tour of the state with a goal of promoting improved funding for public schooling. Specifically, the union is calling for a $22 billion state investment over the next decade, including a $2.4 billion initial infusion for the coming school year. That's somewhat at odds with the plans that Governor Ron DeSantis has unveiled in the run-up to the January legislative session, and it's much more expansive than what many fiscally conservative lawmakers have signaled a willingness to support. So what exactly does the FEA expect to gain from its travels, which include visits to Hernando, Hillsborough, and Pinellas counties in the coming days? Today's podcast guest is Union Vice President Andy Spahr, who gives us some insights into what the FEA has in mind and how it aims to overcome some of the hurdles the union tends to encounter in the halls of Tallahassee. Let's jump right into our conversation. So, Andrew Spar, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on the Gradebook Podcast.
1: Absolutely. Great to be here.
0: I have to ask, you know, you're out there on a bus tour around the state and... Everybody's like glued to their computers and their social media. What good is a bus tour these days?
1: So, a bus tour is serving a couple of purposes, right? I mean, in one respect, it's allowing us to learn and see what's happening in our schools as we speak. You know, to be great advocates for our public schools and to really understand what our public schools need, we have an obligation, I think, as leaders of our statewide teachers union to really be in our schools and in our communities, talking with parents, with students, with teachers, with our education staff professionals, with administrators, and with the community about what our public schools really need.
0: So it's as much for you to learn as it is for people to hear from you then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess I should say, and, and part two of this is really to talk about the great things that are happening in our public schools every day and to talk about some of the challenges that our public schools are seeing. So let me give you a great example. We were in Okaloosa County last week as we kicked off this bus tour. And in Okaloosa County, we saw school buildings that were in dire need of roof repair. In fact, in some of their schools, they are literally having to put buckets in the classrooms and in the hallways to catch the water that's leaking through the roofs of these schools. We saw uh, there as well a football stadium where they have some major um, engineering issues, structural issues with the stadium that every time they play a football game, the engineers have to come out to make sure after that football game, the stadium is still safe to be used. They have school buses that uh, date back to 1997 and have upwards of 400,000 miles on them. And one of the challenges in Okaloosa County, of course, is that half of their county is Eglin's Air Force Base. So it's not something that's on the tax rolls, obviously, and it doesn't generate the the construction, the capital dollars that they need to continue to keep up with their schools. And when the state legislature made a decision to take the state's construction dollars and divert it away from public schools to charter schools, it had a huge impact on Okaloosa County. Yet besides, be, be, yet besides that, uh, in spite of that, um, that situation, we saw warm, inviting classrooms. We talked to teachers who are empowered by their administrators to to really make their classrooms their own. They're allowed to paint their classrooms any color they choose. They're allowed to put things on their classroom's walls. They're encouraged to do whatever they need to to make those classrooms warm and inviting for students. So some of the best classrooms we've seen so far were there in Okaloosa County, even though they have all of those challenges. So it's a great example of where there's many challenges that they face, but incredible things happening. And that's actually one of the highest-performing districts in the state of Florida.
0: Now, you mentioned charter schools, and you talked about them almost as if they're not public schools, but the state views them as public schools, our students going with our tax dollars. How do you go with that disconnect there? I mean, are you really trying to divide those two into separate categories so much?
1: So we have to remember that with a very rare exception – charter schools in the state of Florida are funded with public tax dollars, but they're run by for profit private entities, right? Each one of them, for the most part, has a private management company who's in the business of education and uh, making profits off of that. Unlike our traditional public schools, as people call them, I like to call them our neighborhood public schools, uh, but our neighborhood public schools are run by the community. They're run by an elected school board. They answer to the community. Charter school boards do not answer to the community. Uh, They do not answer to the taxpayers directly, Uh, but our local neighborhood public schools do. And so to me, there's a big distinction in that regard.
0: So when you're going around talking about wanting to have the state put $22 billion into education, you're not talking about the charter schools then?
1: We're, We're talking about the general fund revenue that our districts receive. And in truth, I, I guess you could say that charter schools often receive their dollars through the same funding formula and an allocation that kind of flows through the school districts. Um, so in those cases, arguably charter schools would benefit from what we're proposing. But at the end of the day, you know our focus is on our neighborhood public schools, which is where 2.8 million of Florida's children, the over overwhelming majority of Florida's children, go to school.
0: Well, I want to look at this press release that the Department of Education sent out today. They sort of separate out charter schools in their own way. It's about the NAEP scores, and and I know you probably saw that the scores weren't so great this year, but one of the things that they pointed out was that if Florida's charter schools were their own state, they would rank number two in fourth grade reading, number two in fourth grade math, number one in eighth grade reading, and number five in eighth grade math. It sounds like they're trying to separate charter schools out in a different way than you to say how much better they are. Do you have a problem in dealing with the department and with the lawmakers who seem to be really highlighting and promoting the pu- public schools that are charter? So let's-
1: talk about some of the differences between what charter schools are doing and what public schools are doing, right? I mean, you know, charter schools, the idea was to have schools that are vastly different and innovative in how they do work. Most charter schools operate no differently than our neighborhood public schools. However, they get to set parameters for which they allow students to enter their school. And while charter schools will often say they don't handpick students who attend there, they very often advertise to a clientele that they want, and so we see that charter schools in the state of Florida often serve a much uh, uh, a population that is much more affluent than what we see in the rest of Florida. And we also know that they tend to um, to have uh, some abilities to make some changes or remove students from their school during the school year if they don't feel that student matches what they want in their school. And so those kinds of things obviously put charter schools on an unequal playing field uh, in regards, very often in regards to uh, how public schools are treated. And, and so that has a lot to do with it. What I will say about the NAEP scores that I think is important is that in Florida, just like the, some other parts of this nation, there has been an experiment going on for the last 20-plus years, um, which we feel has been a couple of decades of really bad policy in which they don't listen to the educators, they don't utilize the research, and they've been going to this notion of so-called choice. And in this notion of so-called choice, Florida students are doing no better than they did really 20 years ago. And so what does that say? It says this is a failed experiment and that what's happened during that same time period is a disinvestment in our public schools. And that disinvestment in our public schools has ultimately meant that our public school students have not gotten what they deserve. And that's what our Fund Our Future campaign is all about, that we're, we're calling for a decade of progress of a real investment in our public schools because we actually believe if we did invest in our public schools, instead of being 43rd in the nation in per-student funding, if we were in the top 10, we believe we could do amazing things here in Florida instead of this idea that we've been under for the last 20 years of continuing turning their backs on what Florida's public schools need and our Florida's public schools students need.
0: Well, it's been reported that the governor took note of your bus tour and your your request for the funding program that, that you want. And, and when he was asked about it, he made a statement that made it sound like he's not going to agree with you, even on something as simple as an across-the-board teacher pay raise as opposed to his goal to raise the minimum pay rate for everyone. And I'm going to read you this quote that was in the Florida Phoenix, and I think a lot of people heard this, but this is where I read it. He said... It's just a fact of the matter. I'm a Republican. They're not. What I'm doing is never going to be enough. My job is not to do what the union wants. It's what I think is best for education and particularly for individual teachers. So it's union versus teacher. How do you deal with the governor and I guess maybe even some of the lawmakers who see it that way?
1: So a couple of things, right? I mean, First of all, about 30% of our membership at the Florida Education Association is Republican. Um, That doesn't mean the other 70% are all Democrats, of course, because we have a large contingent of independents just like the general public does. But but 30% of our membership are Republicans, and in some counties it's extremely high, the percentage of members who we have that are registered Republicans. But here's the issue. This is not a political issue this is not a democrat or republican issue this is an issue about doing what is right for the students in the state of florida i was at an event last night in tallahassee it was a community conversation there was a high school student there and this high school student i asked this high school student uh, in the discussion i said you know what is it that you see as what's impacting you as a student and he said the number one thing he sees is that he's constantly getting new teachers. He said he has a new teacher at least every year in high school uh, in his AP or his IB, sorry, his IB classes. And he said in every year when he takes these IB classes, and some of them are multi-year classes, he said they are uh the the content is changing. He said it's very confusing and it's very difficult to see that my teacher I had this year is no longer at the school next year and I have a new teacher and then another year another new teacher and that the teachers are constantly leaving. So they get it. The students even understand that teacher turnover is a big issue. The teacher shortage and the shortage of bus drivers and cafeteria workers and campus advisors and paraprofessionals are big issues because we're not serving the students the way we need to serve our students. So what we would ask the governor to do is come on the bus with us. Come learn and listen, from, uh, listen and learn from the people who do this work every day. We have great people working in our schools. We don't listen to them enough and that's what we're trying to do with this bus tour. And we'd love to have the governor come out on the bus tour with us. Uh, and we'd like to sit down with the governor. Um, we've asked, you know, we'd like to sit down with the governor and have a real conversation. This is not a Democrat or Re- Republican issue. And it's kind of disappointing that the governor made this a political issue.
0: I remember when they first appointed Richard Corcoran as education commissioner, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the FEA and the DOE leadership getting together. And having discussions about these kinds of things and trying to find some areas of common ground, has that not happened then?
1: So we actually, uh, our president, Fed Ingram, um, invited uh, Commissioner Corcoran uh, to um, a meeting of our leaders across the state. He came and he spoke with them. He said he wants to continue the dialogue. And we have sat down uh, several times with the commissioner of education. Um, You know, you have to have a dialogue to start. You know, we applaud the governor and the commissioner in this respect uh, for at least starting the conversation on teacher compensation. We think it needs to be bigger. We think it needs not just to be um, raising the beginning teacher pay. Uh, We think it needs to be broader than that. We have a lot of teachers who are leaving the profession, and for us, the first thing we should do is retain those folks. And look, in in anyone's uh, world, I would say, I would challenge anyone who works somewhere what is it like if you're not getting pay raises, right? Would you stay somewhere where you're not getting pay raises? Would you stay somewhere where you've worked there for 10 or 15 years and the person they're hiring in is making the exact same amount that you are? I don't think anyone would. Uh, we value experience. We should value experience. You don't go to a doctor and say, hey, I'm going to pick this guy here who's never done this surgery. I want the most experienced surgeon. When I need a lawyer, I want the most experienced lawyer. You know, whatever the case may be, you want someone who has honed their craft, who continues to perfect their craft, um, and and is staying up on top of the issues. That's what you want, someone with that kind of experience. Um, It's no different in teaching. And so this idea of devaluing the experience of our teachers and continuing this process that chases Great teachers out of the classroom on a regular basis in what we call the silent strike. Teachers literally turning in their keys and leaving and never coming back. That should concern every community because public schools are the center part of our community. And that's really where we think the focus needs to be.
0: Whatever happened to that whole idea? I used to hear it all the time. The teachers are saying forever they're flexible. They do what they can to make things work out despite all the things going on around them because they're in it for things other than pay. Has that just really gotten to the point where teaching is now just more of a career that you can walk away from that has become so difficult that, that you can't just keep doing what that whole atmosphere was like before. It's like, I'm a teacher period.
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you why I wanted the teaching and I think this is no different from, from just about everyone else. I wanted the teaching because I had a passion for music. I was a music teacher. I had a passion for music and a passion to want to share that, With others and with young people. And so I went into the classroom because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help uh, our young students. I taught elementary. I wanted to help those kids enjoy learning and get excited about school and be excited about the potential and the opportunities they had in front of them for me specifically as it related to music. And now what's happening with so many teachers is they get into the classroom and they find out that they're not allowed to share that passion. They're they're so regimented and so rigid that they don't get that opportunity to do what they want to do, which is to teach. And so there's so much focus on testing. There's so much focus on um, making sure you're doing exactly what someone is telling you to do and that if you deviate off of that, you're wrong. Um, Those are the kinds of things that are happening. So with those policies which a lot of those policies came down from the legislature um, or our reactions to policies passed by the legislature this focus on high stakes testing for example uh, that has led a lot of people to go mm, I'm not so sure and then you add that and compound that with the fact that pay has gotten so far behind you know that teachers are literally when you adjust for inflation making less money today than they did years ago um, or especially than what their counterparts made years ago, their colleagues made years ago, that's a problem. And and so, honestly, right now, one of the top issues for teachers and for a lot of others who work in our schools, our education staff professionals, is the fact that the pay has become so abysmal that you cannot survive on it. So now you have a situation where the working conditions are are not great um, and are getting worse and continue to get worse, and you now have that compounded with pay that is so low that you cannot survive on it. Um, And that's what's changing, I think, in, in the landscape of public education.
0: So when you get back from this bus tour, you arrive back in Tallahassee and you drive up to the Capitol and it's basically time for legislature to start meeting again. How do you convert all of these feelings and the things that you've learned into a message that the legislature, which generally has been unwelcoming to the FEA message in a lot of ways, to listen to you and that you have room for compromise and that there might be something that you can all accomplish together. How do you get there?
1: Well, first of all, I think a lot of stuff is based on relationships. And so we have been working really hard and we have a lot of our members across the state working really hard at building relationships with senators and, and with members of the Florida House, right? And we want them to, to just see a little bit of, about what it's like to be a public school teacher. You know, again, don't want to hound too much on the pay, but there's actually 15 different laws and rules as it relates to how school districts can pay teachers. And so we want them to see how that creates barriers in a lot of districts when, when the local school boards and the parents and the community and the teachers and, and staff in the community aren't able to really dictate and define what they know needs to be done to keep teachers and recruit teachers and staff and so um so we want to we want to get lawmakers to better understand that Part of the reason we're doing this bus tour is to get the community more involved and engaged in this work as well so that lawmakers are also hearing from them as to the importance of doing right by our public schools, by our students, and by those who work there. Um, and so we certainly intend to, to continue that conversation and push that kind of agenda. And, and I'll tell you something else. You know, we fully intend to call on as many people as we can who care about public schools to come to Tallahassee on January 13th, which is the Monday and the day right before the legislative session starts. And we want to do it on January 13th because we want lawmakers to listen and hear and understand that across this state, across our great state, parents, community members, business leaders, teachers, teachers, Education staff professionals, administrators, superintendents, school board members, the members of the, of the faith community all want great public schools here in the state of Florida.
0: Well, Andrew, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. This has been really enlightening. I think that people will now have the opportunity to decide, are they going to show up on the 13th? Is there school that day? I don't even know, but maybe.
1: There is, and so you know, we're hoping people are going to uh, be able to take off and, and come to Dallas, I and mean, we're hoping a lot of parents and communities and other uh, community members and others will join us as well.
0: Yeah, and then we'll, we'll watch to see how these things play out. I don't think anything is set in stone quite yet, so it's going to be, Probably an interesting legislative session, and we weren't even expecting education to be on the top burner. It's been every year, though. It seems like even when we don't expect it, we should expect it, right?
1: We should, absolutely, Jeff. And let me just say this, too. You know, um, one thing I I didn't say, it's interesting to me right now that even with the governor's uh, statements and and his plan that he's put out so far, which he said there's going to be more of, um, but even with what's been put out so far, you have key leaders in the Senate who have said... We've got to do more for our veteran teachers. We've got to do more to retain teachers, and they're hesitant to think that the governor may be moving in the right direction. And, of course, you have similar comments coming out of the House, although the House is talking a little bit more about the availability of funding. Uh, but, but in both the House and the Senate, we're starting to see key lawmakers really match the message that I think educators across the state are saying, which is, you know, we've got to do better than what we're doing right now.
0: So now we just wait to see what, what they actually do. Thank you so much for Absolutely. your time. Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's topic, please go to our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, and add your comments to the post of this podcast. To keep up with the latest in Florida education news, please visit our blog, www.tampabay.com gradebook. If you have comments, questions, or concerns about this podcast, or if you want to hear about something specific, send an email to me at jasolichek at com, Or add a review to the site where you get your podcasts, including Google, Apple, and Stitcher. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks so much for listening.